You are listening to The Urban Andy Show. I'm your host, Lori Ikata. This show talks about important Native issues and highlights guests that are representing Native people in a wide variety of careers. Featured guests talk about how their Alaska Native culture impacts their work. Listen to all of the Urban Anti Show episodes on Spotify and theurbanantishow.com. Like our Facebook page and follow the Urban Anti Show on Twitter to stay up to date on future episodes. Welcome to the Urban Indie Show. I am your host, Laura Ikeda. Today on the Urban Indie Show, we'll have Daisha Gunther and Martel Hesketh. They are both evaluators at the Urban Indian Health Institute. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like the Urban Indie Show on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and on Instagram. You can check out our website at theurbanantishow.com. So I will introduce myself, Lori Ikada Seuza Dehun Danaka Hesse Deludinik Asesni Ita E Janikada Buuza Ina E Misty Carlo Riley Buuza Setsu Uza Madeline Riley Yes Donna Riley Setsia Uza Rocky Riley Yes James Ikada Senior Gaila Nuado Hatan Eslan, Fairbanks, Lesta. Uh, my name is Laura. I just introduced my family. And I'm from Nuado, Kaikuk, Minto, but I live in Fairbanks. I go to school at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. I'll have a degree in December, hopefully, if everything goes good. And I'm the host of the Urban Anti Show. Do one of you want to start with your introduction? Yeah, so hi, my name is Daisha Gunther. Uh, my Yupik name is Atik Dish. My mom's side of the family is from Kangiganak, and my dad's side, um, they were descendants of European settlers on in New Jersey on Lenape land <clears throat> um, before moving to California on Chumash lands, where my dad grew up. Um, I was born in Bethel and raised in Anchorage until I was about 10. Uh, then we moved to the Seattle area um, on Coast Salish lands. And I've been on uh, been in Seattle on Duwamish lands for over a decade now. Tanse, uh, my name is Martel Hesketh. I am a member of the Michelle First Nation from Treaty Six territory in Canada. 
Um, we are Plains Cree and Mohawk from Ganawake. Um, my grandma was Julia Callahu um, and was born on the reserve um, and moved to the coast, um, to Coast Salish lands when she was young, um, where she met my grandfather, who was a white settler. Um, and I grew up on Lummi and Samiemo lands in Northwest Washington. I moved to Seattle about five years ago. Um, so I've been living on Duwamish uh, lands down here for about five years um, and working at Urban Indian Health Institute for about three years. Cool. Very cool. And can you talk about how culture has influenced, um, influenced you while you were growing up and how it influences your life today? Go ahead, Martel. I'm still like catching my breath. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, I'm happy to share. Um, so for me personally, um, I grew up like physically really far away from my traditional lands. Um, when my grandma moved out to the, the coast when she was young, I had the chance to go back and visit a few times. Um, and it wasn't really until college um, where I got to like feel like I was a part of a Native community and really start to um, learn about my own culture in that way. Um, I went to Stanford University and there is like a fantastic uh, Native community there. They host the biggest student powwow in the country every Mother's Day weekend. And that was the first time I got to go to a powwow was when I was a student there. Um, and I, yeah, I just had that feeling. I think that a lot of, I've heard a lot of Native people express is like, it feels like your heartbeat. Um, so that was sort of the, the beginning, I guess, of really learning about my own culture um, because of residential schools. Uh, my grandma never learned Cree, uh, which her parents would speak, but because, you know, they'd been forced to go to residential school, they didn't teach her on purpose. So a lot of my, uh, like, cultural learnings has been from really awesome urban Native communities, uh, which is why I love getting to, to work to serve um, urban Native folks, because I have been able to learn so much about myself through being a part of these communities. Um, so, yeah, and I'm definitely still in the process of, of learning and growing and um, have taken a couple Cree classes, which have been fun. Um, and, you know, going on that journey, like with my cousin um, and some of my relatives as well. Yeah, so um, I did like some berry picking, fishing and what my mom called egg hunting. Um, I remember doing a steam with uh, native women in Kong when I was really young too. Um, and I had a lot of access to subsistence foods when I was um, living in Anchorage, like seal oil, salmon, caribou, herring eggs, berries. Um, and I still had pretty good access after we moved down here because our relatives are like really so generous um, and, you know, would ship down all the good medicine every once in a while. Um, and actually I brought some home when, when we came up there for the indigenous evaluation workshop. Um, but a lot of what Martel said really resonates 
that's with me too. Like I felt pretty disconnected after moving um, and building community at the Urban Indian Health Institute has done a lot to restore that sense of belonging and who I am as a Yupik woman. Thank you. Um, yeah, I share a lot of the same experiences too. Um, I was raised in a small village, but now I spend most of my time in the city. And so it could be hard, like having a cultural connection, but there's definitely a lot of native people to connect with. And there's still like, we still have potlatches and stuff in the city and places where we could connect. And that's really, it's really important to have those spaces. So uh, Martel, do you want to start by talking about your educational background? You can talk about um, the degrees you have and how you chose them. Yes, I'm happy to. So um, as I mentioned, I went to Stanford for my undergrad, which was uh, never a dream school to me. It was like actually a really big surprise uh, that I got in. Um, but I was really grateful for the knowledge I was able to gain there. I knew I wanted to study biology and ended up majoring in human biology with a focus uh, in community health. Initially, I was really interested in like infectious diseases, which I still am. I just think they're so fascinating and weird. And like, there's just so much like history tied in with them too, like social and political. But I ended up taking a community health class at one point um, in order to volunteer at this free clinic. And that community health class was the first time that I really learned about social determinants of health um, in any substantial way. And it just made me so mad. <laughs> um, I was just like, what is wrong with this place? Like, I need to be doing something to fix this. Um, so that's what really got me interested in learning more about like community health and thinking about health on, um, I guess, like a more macro level. So with that, I also kind of developed more of an interest in um, like food security and food issues. And after I graduated, I did a fellowship through the Congressional Hunger Center working on food security, um, domestic food security work in Arizona, um, just outside of Tucson and then in D.C., and after that, kind of wanted to get some more research experience. So I was a research assistant for a while in like healthcare management, which wasn't my favorite, um, but I learned a lot of really good skills. Uh, and it definitely also helped me like realize, like, I think I want to go into like public health. I want to get my master's in public health. Like that's kind of the work I want to be doing. Um, so once I decided that I wanted to go back for my master's degree, I only applied for three schools and I really had my heart set on uh, University of Washington. Um, and I was living in Boston at the time and volunteering also at Native American Lifelines, um, which is an awesome urban native org out there. Um, and so part of the reason of wanting to come to UW was because I knew that there was so much cool work happening in indigenous public health in Seattle, um, including the Urban Indian Health Institute, but also other organizations. 
So ended up being accepted to UW, moved back to Seattle, um, and got my master's in public health um, at the University of Washington. Uh, the program that I did is called Community Oriented Public Health Practice. So it was really focused on getting experience, um, like instead of a research thesis, we had a more of a community capstone project. So ensuring that what we were doing was useful and applicable. Um, and I graduated with that in 2020, which is a very strategic time to graduate with a master's degree in public health um, and have been working at Urban Indian Health Institute since. Yeah, well, I started out um, interested in becoming a doctor uh, because I'm interested in biology and health. Uh, and I went to Seattle Central Community College to get my Associates of Science and Biology. And while I was there, I took this global health class and was, you know, introduced to the social determinants of health. And it, it really resonated with me. And it helped me understand, you know, the real reasons behind the health issues impacting Indigenous communities, like higher rates of diabetes. Um, and I was pretty interested in microbiology then, so um, I wanted to understand like things like how tuberculosis um, continued to be an issue in Native communities when we're in the richest country in the world. Um, and I, I was beginning to learn that like the real reason is colonization, and you know that was such a massive disruption in our lives and um, in our ancestors' lives and. Um, yeah, uh, and then I transferred to the uh, University of Washington to get my Bachelor's of Science in Public Health, and I worked um, as a lab research assistant um, focused on infectious disease, but while I was there, I learned that lab life really is not for me, um, and I didn't like what felt like this big disconnect between, like, the work I'm doing and how that actually, you know, gets to real people in communities. Um, and I wanted to be able to work on things that were a lot more clear and obvious about the impact I'm having. Um, and I was <clears throat> growing more and more interested in how policies have such a strong influence on our health. And so I stayed at UW um, to get my master's in public health and health systems and policy. Um, and then for my practicum work, I uh, was introduced to what's happening at UIHI. Um, as I was writing these papers for grad school, it was pretty challenging to find good data. Um, and the only place I was really finding it was UIHI. Um, and so I felt like so lucky that I could do an internship with them. Um, and I started there in 2018 and I've been there ever since. Thank you. And um, what kind of resources helped you guys on your educational journey? I think for me, some of the resources that helped me most was <laughs> finding good community. Um, 
<laughs> and you know whatever and I mean that goes for too like when I would move to like a new like city for a fellowship or anything um, but especially in college finding a really good community uh, it was definitely like a culture shock for me <laughs> to be uh, when I went to university so finding a group of people um, that would help me feel like grounded and that had like similar values uh, was really important. And I think to also like staying connected to my home and my family uh, and finding ways, even little ways to do that, even when I couldn't, you know, go home every break or whatnot. Um, but finding ways to, to stay connected was really important to me um, in helping me feel like grounded when I was in like a time and space where it felt like there are just so many options or so many things to do or so many pressures or expectations on me. Um, but just like remembering who I am um, and where I come from, um, right? And like all the, the folks that were, you know, supporting me from afar. Yeah, resources for me, um, thinking about grad school, like my, one of my mentors approached me like to do my capstone project, which I was really grateful for because the imposter syndrome was so strong. Then I, I don't think I had the confidence to <laughs> approach anyone. Uh, so that was really great. I mean, and he was an older white man mentor and Aaron Katz, if you're happening to listen to this, thank you. You're amazing. <laughs> um, and he was just very supportive and understanding. Um, and I had worked with indigenous communities before and um, clearly uh, had done, you know, his research into how to work, work with them alongside them. Um, not, you know, as someone who is, you know, doing work for you in like a very paternalized way. So that was so good for me. Um, another mentor, um, Sophia Locklear, who I met at UIHI, she was an evaluator when I was an intern. Um, she was such a, a big resource because she, I mean, she got me on this path to evaluation. I don't think I, I would have found it without her. And um, she was, um, so crazy smart and so cool and like, like was so passionate about centering culture in the work that we do. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going through my capstone right now and it's a lot of work. It's not easy. Can you talk about the work that the Urban Indian Health Institute does, like just their overall goals? Anyone can answer this? Yeah, so the overall goal of the Urban Indian Health Institute is to decolonize data for indigenous people by indigenous people. And so it's really an, an indigenous led um, organization. And we do all our work with the intent to benefit urban indigenous communities. And um, as far as evaluation goes. Um, we do our evaluation through the um, UIHI Indigenous Evaluation Indigenous Evaluation Framework, which is um, inclusive of 
of urban communities that that have different experiences than communities that are like on the reservation. Thank you. And can both of you talk about what you do as evaluators and why evaluation is important? Yes. Um, so there's lots of different ways to describe evaluation. Um, including sometimes like boring and dry, but the way we do it here, I, um, at its core, I view it as a form of storytelling. Um, so what we're doing is we are uh, collecting stories from our community, you know, oftentimes in relationship to like a grant or a project, but we're collecting those stories um, and sharing them both with the funders, but also back with our communities in different ways. Um, and how we do that can change <laughs> depending on the objective, but um, a lot of it is really based on relationships and making sure we're building good relations with those that we're serving. Um, so day to day, sometimes it looks like sending out some surveys, um, but other times it can look like asking our interns to share a piece of art that represents what they learned during their summer at UIHI. Um, so there's all different ways that we work um, to, to do evaluation, but uh, at its core, I really view it as a, a form of storytelling and recognizing that Indigenous people have always collected data, they've always done evaluation and research, um, and it's always been to, to benefit the health and well-being of our communities. Do you have anything you want to add, Daisha? No, I think Martel covered that fantastically. Cool. Yeah, I was in your workshop at the Alaska Indigenous Research Program, and it was so fun, and I learned a lot, and I realized that I do a lot of evaluation. In my undergrad research, we collect stories, and we analyze them, and we share them back with the community, and we do a lot of surveys and we have youth create digital stories and pretty soon we're going to have adults and elders create digital stories. And then um, we're just collecting a lot of stories. We just did a bunch of interviews this summer and it's really fun to listen back on those and just pull out themes and things that are like important to them. So yeah, I learned a lot in your workshop and it was really fun. Well, we'd love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm so excited to hear that. Like, the, I feel like one of the biggest takeaways is like, you already do evaluation. You're an evaluator. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yeah. So to hear that. <laughs> like before the workshop, you asked, have you guys evaluated before? And then everyone was like, no. And then after it's like, actually, we have done evaluation before. <laughs> yeah, and that's like the best part of the workshops is like when someone like comes back the second day and they're like, I realized I've been doing this my whole life. <laughs> We're like, yes, you have. <laughs> yeah. And you said um, Native people have doing been doing evaluation for a long time. Can you give some examples of that? Yeah, when I think about like, um, 
my grandpa, Atik, who I'm named after, he uh, he was a kayak builder and, um, well, first, let me just say, like, living in the Arctic, that takes a lot of evaluation of, like, what's going to keep you alive through extreme conditions, right? So, <laughs> um, and, you know, like, my, my ancestors, part of that was um, building kayaks. So, you know, this was you know, they would collect um, um, driftwood and they would um, form it by putting it in their teeth and like pulling down the stick and shaping it like that. They didn't use heat. Um, they would, you know, build these custom for the, the kayaker. So they would, you know, use their body parts to measure um, how they could build this to make it fit their body exactly. Um, and so like by building these kayaks, um, we could, you know, hunt, uh, fish and, you know, feed our community. Um, and it was done with the intent to take care of the community. Yeah, and I often, um, think about the, some of the boats that my own ancestors built um my Mohawk ancestors were a part um participated in the fur trade and that's how they kind of ended up further west in Canada um and it's because they were the best at navigating all the waterways because they had the best boats and the reason they had the best boats which were the birch bark canoes um, was because of all the data that they had collected over generations and passed down that knowledge and stories and teachings right like if you think about the amount of trial and error <laughs> my ancestors probably went through to develop those like canoes to figure out you know which um, wood could be shaped the best for the frame um, how to harvest birch bark so that it would come out in one long piece um, how to uh, work with spruce gum to patch the sides and make it waterproof um, it's incredible. And these canoes, when they were empty, they could be, they could, you know, just be carried by like four adults. Um, and when they were full, they could hold like thousands of pounds of cargo. Um, so just the, the technology that our communities developed um, and not only developed, but preserved and improved upon over time uh, are all just incredible examples of evaluation, research, engineering, kind of, you know, whatever you want to call it, that process of collecting data um, and acting upon it too is key. Thank you. Those are great examples. <laughs> and there's just like so many examples I could think of now that you guys bring it up. There's like how they made spears and how they caught fish. Um, there's just a bunch of creative ways that um, the native people were just like inventors and researchers. And a lot of people don't think of, think of it that way. <laughs> so where can people learn more about how they can do their own evaluations for their programs or where can they learn more about evaluation workshops? Yeah, so um, 
at UIHI.org, we have an Indigenous evaluation page. So you can see um, some resources that we have prepared to um, give people kind of a framework to, to go and do the work they need to do. Um, and um, workshops, usually uh, what we'll have you do is email um, like info at UIHI.org and they can connect you with someone on the evaluation team that can um, let you know when our next ones are, or you can request one for your organization too. And on our website, we also have a really awesome video um, that talks or doesn't really talk, it like really shows what Indigenous evaluation is. Um, and it's featuring our um, our Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Rose James. Um, she's Lummi and Duwamish. And so it also has some master cedar weavers from Lummi um, featured in the video as well. Uh, and it's really beautiful. So I encourage anyone that's curious about learning more to also check out that video on our website. Thank you. Do you guys have anything else you want to add or put out there into the world? Any advice you have for young people? I think some advice I would have for young people is you don't have to know exactly what you're doing like i wasn't in college and like i want to be an evaluator right i didn't even know what that was like i didn't really learn what public health was until the end of college so you know it's okay if you don't know um you know exactly what you're gonna do um but it, you know a lot of folks maybe have a broad goal in mind or wanting to help their communities in any way, you know, in some way. So I just encourage people like, you know, you don't have to be set on one thing, but explore your gifts and discover, you know, what, what you enjoy, um, like, you know, what maybe feels natural to you. Some things won't, um, but you can work on those too. And so don't, um, don't be afraid to explore and try new things and try new careers. Who knows, maybe you'll be an evaluator or something else that's like cooler. <laughs> yeah, and if you end up on a path that you didn't see yourself on, like it can be easy to think of that as a failure. So like, as I was learning that being a doctor just wasn't gonna be for me, that was something that I struggled with. Um, so, you know, just really have a positive mindset about what works for you, what doesn't, and, be, you know, be a little bit realistic about, um, what the, what the job would be, you know, what the career would be. And if that aligns with who you are and, and how you function and, and what matters to you. Thank you. Well, that's all the questions I have. And it was nice talking with you ladies. Yes, thank you for inviting us, Laura. It was fun to chat. Yeah, it was fun.
Oh, my God.